Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 106 of the Money Love Podcast. All right, you guys, today I want to talk to you about feeling deprived. I have a lot, a lot to say on this episode. I really thought that this was going to be a quicker, shorter episode because we're really just going to be talking about the emotion of deprivation today. But when I sat down and I started outlining everything that I want to tell you and all of my tips to deal with, this emotion of deprivation, I was like, wow, I actually have a lot to say here. So buckle in, you guys. This is going to be a good one. It also might be one that kind of takes you by surprise. But I think that this episode is going to be a really helpful and impactful one for you. Now, before I actually get into the content of today's episode, I just want to remind you guys of a free resource that I have available to you. It's a free online masterclass that I have made that's called Why You Impulse Shop and How to Stop. And I want to talk about it again. I know I've mentioned it, but I recently went through and revamped it. I went through and added some things and cut out some things and really just kind of gave it a facelift. And so even if it's something that you've taken in the past or you signed up for in the past and you just didn't have a chance to get around to it, go ahead and sign up for it again just to get the new and improved, let's just call it 2.0 version of the masterclass. It's about 90 minutes long. It's jam-packed with my best skills and tools and coaching to really, really help you get started on turning around your spending habits. If impulse shopping, overspending, compulsive spending is something that you're really struggling with, You can go ahead and sign up for that using the link in the show notes of this episode and every episode that you're listening to. So you're just going to scroll down, click on the link. You'll stick in your email. You will get the link to the training delivered directly into your inbox. I do want you to know that you have five days to take the training. I put the deadline on it because deadlines are what hold us to doing the things that we say that we're going to do. They keep us accountable. So you have five days to take the masterclass from the time that you sign up for it. And also, for those of you who are interested in joining Overcoming Overspending, you've thought about it, or you just have considered working more closely with me, taking your work beyond the weekly podcast here, that masterclass is also going to give you all of the information to do that at the end. So it's kind of a bonus. You're going to get my tools, my coaching, my training for about the first hour and 15 minutes. And then for the rest of it, you're going to get information on how you and I can work closely together. And I will say there is a one-time exclusive offer for those of you who sign up for the masterclass to join Overcoming Overspending or to work with me at a discount that you will have available to you within that five-day period. So go ahead and sign up for it. Again, it's great. Whether you do want to work together or not, it's still going to help you. It's value-packed, and I hope to see you in there. So I just wanted to let you know that it's been revived, rejuved, given a facelift, and I really hope you check it out because I know it'll help you. So we are going to talk about feeling deprived today. This emotion of deprivation is one that is coming up over and over and over each week that I am coaching you guys inside Overcoming Overspending. And really, it's an emotion that I see is causing so many of you so much unnecessary pain and suffering. And it's also really hurting your finances because a lot of you are doing a lot of spending against your own good 
as I call it, in an attempt to avoid the emotion of deprivation. And when we start digging into why you're overspending, why you're not saving, why you're buying things for the sake of buying things, and frankly, a lot of you guys are just living a lifestyle where the numbers just don't jive, right? Where outflow is exceeding inflow. When we are getting to the root of why that is happening in our coaching together, so many of you guys are telling me, well, I'm spending the way that I am because I don't want to feel deprived. Now, the ironic part about this is that your fear of the emotion of deprivation, which is just a construct, okay, that is created within your head by your perspective and your thinking, which we're going to talk about in this episode. But ironically, your fear of deprivation is creating a situation in your real life and within your finances where you are actually depriving yourself of your own financial resources. You are spending them all up on things that really don't truly matter, that aren't really bringing you a true sense of happiness and fulfillment. Like you are so fearful of feeling deprived that in fact, that's exactly what you're creating for yourself. And if anything, you are depriving future you, the version of you that's 5, 10, 20, 40 years from now, you are stealing her future abundance and you are creating a situation of financial deprivation for her, all because of your resistance, avoidance, and fear to experiencing the emotion of deprivation today. And so you're stuck in thought constructs that cause deprivation, and you end up depriving yourself of living a truly fulfilling and abundant life today and also in the future, which is just the catch-22 of it all, right? Now, this emotion is a tricky one. I will be honest with you, but we are going to thoroughly break this down together today so that hopefully by the end of our time together, not only will you no longer be resisting the emotion of deprivation, but you will actually be opening yourself up to it. So let's start here. I always like to start really simple and basic and then build from there. Deprivation is a feeling. It's an emotion, which means that all it is, is a vibration in your body. It's something that you experience inside of you. So in our model, our CTFAR deprivation would go into the F line right in the middle, (laughs) right? The model sandwich, the feeling line, which means that we are going to have circumstances in the world, the black and white, the things that happen outside of us. And then we're going to have thoughts about it. And those thoughts about our circumstances are what create the deprivation that we feel. Now, again, this sounds very basic, but it's really important that you take some time to absorb what I just said to you. So if you need to pause and think about what I just said, do that. The fact that deprivation is created in your mind by your beliefs, viewpoints, and your perspective. Because a lot of you, and I know this through talking to you in our coaching sessions, a lot of you believe, and you're acting in a way, and you're spending money in a way that shows me that you truly believe deprivation is something that just falls out of the sky and smacks you in the head, and that the deprivation that you feel is based on what you're able to have, what you're not able to have. It's based on the things that you can say yes to and the things that you have to say no to. Many of you, and maybe you're in this boat as well, you think that deprivation is caused by the amount of your external possessions, of what you have, of what's in your bank accounts, of how much you have available to you. You think deprivation is coming from what's in your C line, your circumstance line, or I should say the lack of the things that are in your C line, right? By how much you have of something or by how much you don't have of something. 
But I think the biggest association that we make to deprivation, from what I hear from you guys, is having to say the word no. Like having to tell yourself no to something. No, I'm not going to buy that. No, I'm not going to eat that. No, I'm not going to get on my phone. No, I'm not going to have that glass of wine. We associate telling ourselves no to feeling deprived. Because I think that this really just comes from the prevailing message in our society and in our culture, which is do what you want when you want, no limits, no sacrifices, no trade-offs, no pain, just pleasure all of the time. And when you think about consumer culture that we live in, this message that gets served up to us every single day, it actually makes a lot of sense of why they push that message out to us because that message gets us to do what they want us to do. And by them, when I say them, I'm talking about the marketers and the retailers, the people who are trying to sell us something and who want us to consume what they have to sell that are always trying to get us to buy, buy, buy. The food manufacturers that want us to eat, 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 or the social media companies that always want us scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Because when they tell us, hey, If you tell yourself no, or if you restrict, or if you cut yourself off from the thing that I have to offer you, then you're going to feel deprived. You're going to feel left out. You're going to feel left behind. And they understand that to a human being who is wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain and be a part of the group and a part of the pact, that that is one of the worst possible things that we could ever hear, right? is feeling deprived, feeling like we're missing out, feeling like we're in lack and scarcity. That is a very effective message that they serve to us that gets us to do what they want us to do, which again is to consume, consume, consume. But here's the thing. Many of us are going to get to the point where we have over-consumed. We have consumed past the point of enoughness and sufficiency, like we just talked about last week with Julie in the overconsumption episode, which you guys loved, by the way. I've gotten so much good feedback on that episode. And she said, which again, I loved, I'm going to say it again, that overconsumption is when we consume to the point that the consumption is causing us pain and suffering and it's costing us our peace. And so a lot of the times we get to a point where we say, okay, what I'm consuming is now consuming me. I don't feel good. I'm stressed, whether it's financially stressed or my body is stressed from carrying around extra weight or my mind is stressed from having too many inputs. And we come to a point where we say, this doesn't feel good. So I want to make some changes. And the answer to that usually lies around putting up some boundaries or some constraints around our current consumption habits. So for example, in order to make progress towards the financial goals that we have, if we're spending everything we have, we have to make some changes and we have to redirect our money from where it's been going and we have to send it elsewhere. In order to lose weight, we have to change what and how often and how much we're eating in most cases. If we want to be mentally and emotionally more healthy, we have to stop consuming so much social media or cutting back on our technology use. We all realize that these trade-offs have to happen in order for us to achieve the results that we want. And let's not forget that the only reason that we come to a point where we want to create these results is because we have gotten to a point where we don't feel good anymore. The overconsumption is a burden at this point. It is not a blessing. It's not doing anything for us. It is causing us more pain than pleasure. And all we want, we all have a desire to feel good again. And so it's remembering that, okay, the only reason I even want to make these changes now is because I want to feel better. 
And it's a realization of life can be good to an extent by the things that we choose to include our life. And it is also made better and beautiful and abundant by the things that we choose to exclude from our life. But of course, that is the opposite message of what consumer culture is giving us. And also your brain, your survival brain that only wants to do what feels good in the short-term false pleasure, dopamine high, feel-good sense, when you decide to make those changes is like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. If I am not getting what I'm used to getting in the amount that I'm used to getting it in, then I'm going to feel deprived. That is the message that your brain is trying to tell you. And for all of us, we have conflated this emotion of deprivation into this big, huge, scary monster in our mind. We think it's just going to feel awful and terrible. This is your brain falling into the thought error of thinking that setting boundaries around your consumption habits and saying no or making trade-offs is what causes the deprivation. Again, it's associating what's happening in our circumstance line to what is then created in our feeling line. Most of us have lived our entire lives making this association between the word no, between having to make sacrifices and trade-offs to feeling deprived. Now, what if I told you that deprivation is just your emotional interpretation to these boundaries that you have set around your consumption habits? That the deprivation is really just coming from what's happening in that brain of yours. The first thing I need you to hear is that deprivation never ever comes from what you have or what you don't have or the amount that you have it in or the amount that you don't have it in. It never comes from a yes or a no. It never comes from someone else having something that you want or having something that you don't have. In almost all situations, deprivation in the form that we're talking about it today is created within you by your thoughts, beliefs, and perspectives. Deprivation is almost always an inside job. Now, I do want to make a disclaimer. I am not talking about situations and circumstances where there actually is a lack of a resource that is needed. Like when somebody truly does not have enough food to eat or have water to drink or have the financial resources to cover our bare, bare, bare necessities. I am not talking about a situation like that. I am talking about the situation that I'm seeing with those of you in coaching who have all of your needs met, you have everything that you need, but yet you are still coming to me because you are feeling deprived. You think that if you can't go out there and spend all of your money and get every single thing that you want, then you are going to be faced with the monster that is deprivation. Okay. That is the context that we are talking about today. So I know sometimes we want to be like, well, what about this? And what about that? I'm not talking about extreme circumstances where people actually do not have access to the things that they truly need. I want to make that disclaimer. But in the situation of what we're talking about in this episode that I just said, Here are some of the thoughts that you guys give me that create the emotion of deprivation. It's thoughts like, I don't have enough, when the reality is you actually do have enough, right? Like your brain is trying to tell you you don't have enough, but if we're really being honest with ourselves, you have plenty. You have more than enough. I don't have enough. I wish I had blank, fill in the blank. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And I will never be able to get it. I can't have what I want. 
She gets to have it. So I should be able to have it as well. This is unfair. My life is going to be so boring without fill in the blank. That was a big one that I had about wine. When I was really trying to cut back on the amount of wine that I was drinking, I had this thought of my nights and my life are going to be so dull and so boring if I'm not able to have my wine. So these are some of the thoughts that can cause the emotion of deprivation within you, which again, is just a vibration inside of your body. And when we take these thoughts out and we actually look at them for what they are, we can of course see that thoughts like this are going to cause us to feel deprived because they all focus on things that we don't have, on things that we're lacking. And there's also this underlying tone and assumption that you will never be able to get them. And there's this other tone that this is something that's being forced onto you, right? That you have no control, you have no autonomy in this situation. It's not something that you're actually choosing, which this is something we're going to get into a little later on. But so many of us go through life just having these thoughts about what we have and what we don't have and what other people have and having to say yes and having to say no. Those are all things in our circumstance line. But then our brain offers us all of the drama. And of course, it's remembering that your brain is going to offer you those thoughts because your brain wants you to override the choice that you've made and to go out and consume. Go buy the thing, go eat the food, go drink the alcohol. And so of course, your brain is going to be telling you things like, this is so unfair. I can't have what I want. This is going to be so dull and so boring. But these are the thoughts that are just firing subconsciously on autopilot that we are not giving any conscious attention to. And so of course, when we think those thoughts, we feel deprivation. And when that happens, we associate the emotion of deprivation to the things that are obvious and outside of us and right in front of us, like not being able to buy anything from the 24-hour flash sale or not being able to get the 10-step skincare routine that your favorite influencer has. That's what we associate the deprivation to, the no's, the constraints, the boundaries, rather than the thoughts that we have about the constraints, the boundaries, and the trade-offs. We think that the deprivation is coming from our choice not to eat the bowl of ice cream every night after dinner, instead of realizing that the deprivation is actually coming from the thoughts that you're having about not being able to eat the bowl of ice cream. Because there's a lot of people who don't eat a bowl of ice cream every night after dinner that don't feel deprived at all about not being able to have a bowl of ice cream. But again, the thoughts are so subtle, so sneaky, snow automatic, we barely notice them. And so we don't attribute the deprivation to the thing that we're not paying attention to. We can't attribute the deprivation to the thing that we don't even realize is happening. We're going to attribute it to the thing that's right in front of our faces. And that is the life-changing part about thought work and why even just gaining awareness over your thoughts in the first place is so major. Because when you realize that deprivation is coming from your thinking, then what you start to realize is, oh my gosh, it's possible to save and not spend. It's possible not to eat the heaping bowl of ice cream every night before bed. It's possible not to slam one or two bottles of wine every single night. And it's possible to do all that also without feeling deprived. Because when you associate deprivation to either being able to say yes or no, to indulge or not to indulge, then what your brain will always tell you is that a yes or giving into the false pleasure or doing whatever you want is the only surefire way to solve and avoid the deprivation. 
when really the answer and the solution to solving for the deprivation is changing your narrative in your mind about what is actually going on and what's happening. So if we know the solution to feeling deprived lies within us, then how do we actually do it? What are some tangible tools and some mindset shifts that we can make to accomplish this? All right, I got you. I got some really, really good tools for you guys here. All right, so here's my first tip. It's to direct your attention to what you have chosen and why you have chosen it. Backing up to what I was saying a little bit earlier, a lot of the times when any of us are choosing to place boundaries around our consumption habits, not in all instances, but in a lot of instances, those choices came from a place of realizing that we were consuming past the point of enoughness and sufficiency. Our consumption was now overconsumption. It's causing us pain and suffering and it's costing us our peace. We're not happy with the results that we're creating anymore. We're not proud of how we're acting. We don't feel good. We don't have energy. We're stressed all of the time. We know something's got to change. And we set out and we decide to achieve a different result. And we know that that has to be achieved through a different set of behaviors, behaviors that are different from what we've been doing. And so I'm actually going to give you an example of this for me personally. It's not money related, but I think this is a really good example for just something that I'm doing personally that will really drive this first point home. So right now I am in the process of trying to lose 40 pounds of postpartum baby weight. And there are two primary things that I am focused on right now. The first thing that I am focused on is every single morning when I wake up is starting my day with a green Fab Four smoothie. Now I have chosen to do this because I have done this a couple of times. And what I've realized is, is that when I start my mornings with a green smoothie, a Fab Four smoothie, I just feel better for the rest of my day. I don't feel jittery in the morning. I do it before I drink my coffee. So I'm not like shaking. I don't have anxiety all day. It gives me energy. I don't have this huge like crash and want to take a nap around 1 p.m. every single day. And it really sets me up for success from a nutrition perspective for the rest of my day. The second thing I'm choosing to do is to walk or have some sort of light movement for 60 minutes a day. Now, every morning when I wake up and I go into my kitchen to make my green smoothie, I don't go into my kitchen being like, oh my God, I'm so deprived that I can't have pancakes this morning. I'm feeling so deprived that I can't have French toast this morning. I don't feel deprived about not being able to eat a stack of pancakes or to eat like a sugary dish of French toast because I have made the choice to drink my Fab Four smoothie. Because I understand the fact that drinking my green smoothie every morning is something that I have chosen. When it is time for me to go and do my walk, I don't feel deprived about the fact that I can't just sit on the couch and watch Netflix for an hour while I'm on my walk. Because I understand that going on this walk is something that I have actively chosen because I understand that that is a choice that's going to help me create this result of losing 40 pounds. So because I stay focused on what I have chosen and why I have chosen it, when I am making the choices that serve me most to achieve what I want, I never feel deprived about the things that I can't have. I very rarely feel deprived because I stay focused and I direct my mental energy to what I have chosen and why I've chosen it. And I remind myself that these are choices that are necessary to create my desired result. And I desire the result of being 40 pounds lighter because I know what it feels like 
to be 40 pounds lighter than what I feel now. And I know that I feel a lot better and healthier and I have more energy being 40 pounds lighter than what I weigh now. I am my healthiest version at the version of me that's 40 pounds lighter than I am now. And I desire to create that result more than I desire a stack of pancakes every morning or a bowl of bluebell ice cream every night before I go to bed. So staying focused on what have I chosen and why have I chosen it and understanding that these are the choices that are going to get me closer to that choice. Another small but mighty shift in your mindset and in your language that we can shift is shifting from I have to do something to I choose to do something. So this is the difference of I have to drink a green smoothie every morning because I said that I would to I choose to drink this green smoothie every morning to start my day because I know it's an important part of balancing my blood sugar every morning. It's going to give me enough energy throughout my day that will help me achieve the result that I want of losing 40 pounds. Do you see the difference between those two things, those two statements? I've also heard people do, you know, like I have to do something and I get to do something, which I like that. I personally, though, prefer shifting to I choose to do something even more than I get to do something. Because to me, even the statement of like, I get to do something still kind of implies to me kind of maybe having to do something that's not totally in your choice to do it. But reminding yourself like, no, I am choosing to do this. Like I am choosing to drink the green smoothie every morning. I am choosing to go on a 60 minute walk every day. And I choose to reminds me that I have chosen this desired result ahead of time this result that's going to benefit future me. And these are the actions that are going to help me get there. It brings me back all the power, all the choice, all the autonomy, instead of feeling like a victim to my choices. It's like, this isn't just something that's happening to me, this green smoothie. Like No one's force feeding me this smoothie every morning. I have chosen this. Now, because I'm committed to this result, does that mean that I'm forever stuck with these choices or that I have to stick to my plan perfectly. I have to drink a green smoothie every morning for the rest of my life. No deviations, no exceptions. Of course not. No. I know and I understand that this is a journey and it's not going to be perfect. And at any point in time, I can change my mind and I can make a different choice, whether that's long-term moving forward or for just one morning. And knowing that I hold power in that as well, it really squashes any sprinklings of deprivation that try to creep into my brain. So Let's make this distinction really, really quick. Real deprivation, like true deprivation, is having something withheld from you that no matter what, you cannot have access to. If you are being imprisoned against your will, you are being deprived of your freedom. If you are being held captive and someone isn't feeding you or giving you water, yes, you are being deprived of sustenance that you need to survive. But again, the deprivation that we are thinking about here in 2023 in the sense of setting boundaries with our consumption, making those trade-offs with ourselves in that context, that is not really deprivation, you guys. That is the opposite of deprivation. That is freedom. It's autonomy. It's choice. It's control because it involves choices that you have made that now you are honoring. You said that you were going to do something and now you are doing it. And these choices give you structure and guidelines and a path to achieve a desired result that you want. And we can live within those boundaries however we want. And that is freedom. All right. So that's the first one. Now, let me give you another mindset tip that can squash deprivation. This is one that has been one of the most life-changing for me. And it's being able to differentiate between a true aligned desire 
that I have and simply just something that's a false pleasure in the moment. So for example, a true aligned desire for me is to create an abundance of wealth for myself. I have a goal to create a $10 million coaching business by the time I'm 40 years old and a $50 million net worth by the time that I'm 50. Now, I know to some of you that sounds a little crazy. And to me, 10 years ago, those numbers would have absolutely blown my mind as well. But I want to create that level of wealth, not because of what I'll be able to have and buy with it, but I want to prove to myself what I am capable of. And to also be an example to other women of what is possible to achieve in terms of their ability to build wealth. Now, for me, being able to differentiate between my true aligned, deep desire of the wealth and abundance that I want to create for myself and for my family and the false pleasure of things that go against that, that are going to move me farther away from that, like for instance, buying a random $100 gadget thingy on Amazon that I saw some influencer using on TikTok that I'm going to buy and use one time and then it's going to just end up as junk and clutter like stuffed in the back of one of my kitchen cabinets or having a closet full of clothes that I was influenced to buy from social media ads that I've worn once or not at all that's just cluttering up my closet and my environment. I have come to see the difference between those two things and be able to see clearly that indulging in those false pleasures is not going to bring me closer to the true aligned deep desire that I have of the wealth that I want to create. Now, does this mean I never go out and I never spend money and I never buy things? Like, no, of course not, you guys. But you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know what I mean. The false pleasures, the dopamine-seeking behavior, buying crap to just buy crap. You know what I'm talking about. To me, it's not even about the numbers. Once I get myself to that level of wealth, buying a random $100 gadget thingy on Amazon, like it really wouldn't even be about the numbers at that point. It would just be about the behaviors and the principle and what I'm saying with making that choice. But one of the distinctions that we need to make when it comes to managing your deprivation is we have to separate out the difference between an artificial desire and a true desire. Do you know what your true desires are? And if you don't, you need to figure that out real, real quick. Okay. And I can help you do that. But the flash sale is the artificial desire. The long lasting wealth and financial abundance and the security that I want to create from that, that is the true desire. The ice cream is the artificial desire, but being healthy and feeling good and not being in pain and having energy and sleeping well and being rested, that is the true desire. So often we feel deprivation around choosing. And again, choosing, choosing, we choose it not to have the artificial desire. And we forget to remember how that choice is ultimately helping us achieve and is moving us closer to the thing that we want most, our truest desire. And it makes sense why we do this and why this happens. It's important to kind of cut ourselves a break to a certain extent and remind ourselves that our brains, our biology is created in a way to move us closer to those false pleasures and that desire, because that's what served us a long, long, long time ago. That release of dopamine in our brains that creates that false pleasure and that false desire. And I want to just honor and recognize the fact that it's kind of cool that we have those neurotransmitters in our brain that keep us alive. 
by generating that desire for the immediate needs that, you know, we think that we need, that our caveman primitive brain is trying to convince us that we, you know, we have to have, quote unquote. But when we can differentiate between the false desire that is created from dopamine and the desire that is created from our prefrontal cortex, the forward-looking part, the goal-setting piece of us, we can clearly see that our immediate desires are actually oftentimes detrimental to our deepest desires. And so understanding the difference between what you want right now in this second, because it's going to feel good, it's going to give you that spike, that high, that rush versus what you want long-term most is very important in terms of managing the deprivation that will come up. Because for me, when I remember what I have chosen and why, and when I understand that my brain is feeling a little bit scarce and a little bit dramatic because it's not getting what it wants right now, it's pitching a little bit of a fit because it can't go shopping or swipe the credit card or eat the ice cream or eat the pancakes, I calmly calm it down and direct it back and focus my attention on my truest desires. And when I do that, I hardly ever feel deprived but instead I feel excited. It motivates me. It keeps me calm, grounded, and focused. My truest desires, what I really, really want in my heart of hearts always lies ahead of me. It all resides in the future. They are results and outcomes that something that future Paige will be experiencing, but she will be experiencing them in the future because of the choices that I am making right now in the present moment. And when I remember that each time that I honor my truest desire versus artificial desire, I remind myself that that choice is taking care of her. I am hooking her up, so to speak. And again, when I remember that and I think about her, it squashes any drops of deprivation that are trying to seep into my brain. I never feel deprived about the fact that I am hooking up my future self, that I'm taking care of her. And I think that this will lead me into my next tip, which goes along beautifully with what I'm talking about here. But it's also remembering the trade-off between pain and pleasure. Our world, our culture, our society wants to tell us that pain can be completely avoided in the pursuit of pleasure. But that's not true. Pain isn't a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so the question with pain isn't, will I or won't I feel pain? The question with pain is, when will I feel the pain and discomfort now or later? And also to what extent? A little bit now or a lot later. And pleasure is the other side of the coin. It's the other side of the seesaw, so to speak. Remember, we talk about pain and pleasure kind of like a seesaw. When one goes up, the other goes down. Pleasure is also a matter of when, not if. So with every decision that we make, there is going to be an element of pain and also an element of pleasure. And the decision comes down to when and to what extent you want to experience each. And so typically how it works is you can experience pain. And when I say pain, what I really mean by that is the pain of honoring your truest desire of what you want most, which often requires us to calm and quiet the caveman part of our brain that's pitching a little bit of a fit in the moment that only wants to go after the false pleasure and the dopamine rush. Okay. That's what I mean by pain. So you can experience the pain right now by honoring your truest desires. And when you do that, you are delaying pleasure into your future that your future self is going to get to enjoy later on. 
That's choice one. Choice two is you can do the pleasure now, which is typically the false pleasure, the rush, the high, the dopamine hit, which is very short-lived. But the consequence of that is that the pain will come later, usually in a larger form. So the example that I usually give is you can go and you can swipe the credit card right now and you can indulge in the shopping and you can spend money that you don't have. And that will feel pleasurable right now in the short term. But the longer term pain of that choice is going to be the credit card debt that you are creating for yourself that future you is going to have to clean up. So it's like pleasure now, pain later. When I made this realization of the pain and the pleasure trade-off and I realized like, oh, okay, wait, there's actually no path in life where I can only get the pleasure without any pain, but rather it's like, okay, I'm going to get both. I'm going to get both the pain and the pleasure. I've got to do both at some point to some extent. So do I do the pain now or do the pain later? Do I do the pleasure now or the pleasure later? It is a revelation that has changed my life, especially when it comes to experiencing deprivation. So many of you, when you're feeling deprived, you are A, doing it because you are so resistant to feeling the pain in the moment. And you think that the only way to get the pleasure that you so badly want is to give in to the artificial desire. But when you remember that the pleasure is coming, You're not depriving yourself of the pleasure. You're just delaying it for future you to enjoy later on, on a larger scale that completely changes the game. So many of you are so resistant to deprivation in the moment. You are honoring that artificial desire versus that true desire. You are choosing pleasure now, which is creating pain later, which means that you are depriving yourself of everything that you truly desire for the future version of you. You are fighting so hard against feeling deprived in the present moment that you actually are depriving future you of so many things rather than realizing like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get the pleasure. I am never deprived of the pleasure. Even though I don't get to experience it right now, it doesn't mean that it's not coming. And in fact, if I can delay the gratification and if I can have the discipline not to indulge in the artificial pleasure right now, the true Pure pleasure that I will be able to experience in the future is going to be so much greater. And again, rooting your mindset, rooting your thoughts, rooting your attention in that greater form of pure pleasure that will be waiting for you in the future rather than feeling deprived about not getting to indulge in the artificial pleasure that you're saying no to right now. Game changer is recognizing this trade-off between pain and pleasure. Now, I have two more tips for you. (sighs) I told y'all I had a lot to say in this episode. (laughs) Okay, here we go. The second thing is focusing on the beauty of what is and savoring in what you do have rather than finding the lack in what you don't have. Now, like we've talked about in many past episodes, our brains have a negativity bias. Our brains are wired for lack and for scarcity and to always be focused on what we don't have and what is lacking because that is the mindset that is most helpful to us to ensure our survival. And so this is something that's not just going to happen. This isn't a place that your brain is just naturally going to go. And most human brains are going to live in the land of lack, scarcity, and deprivation just from their automatic subconscious thinking. Because again, a brain left unsupervised and a brain left unmanaged is like a toddler running around a house with a knife. It's going to cause a lot of damage and do a lot of harm. 
So if you are somebody who finds yourself where you're like, man, I, I feel like my brain always wants to focus on what I don't have and what other people have that I don't have, like, let's not make this process harder on ourselves by beating ourselves up that this is where our brains naturally go. My brain naturally goes here too. I would say that almost every human brain naturally goes to this place. So this is something you have to practice. It's something you have to work at. But again, it really is focusing on the beauty of what you have versus what you don't have. I am reading a book right now. It's called, oh gosh, what's it called? Ask and it is given, I believe. And it's the book by Esther and Jerry Hicks, all about the teachings of Abraham, which is essentially all about the law of attraction. I have been learning a lot about the law of attraction recently. And something that she said in the book really kind of struck me. She said that most of us try to go out and create the thing that we want from focusing on the thing that we don't want or from focusing on the lack and the scarcity of what we don't have. And again, I think this is just a message that we've been taught in our society and our culture is if you want to find a way to like motivate yourselves, it's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and focus on how bad things are and how terrible things are and how much you want to get yourself out of that situation. And that's where you'll find your determination and your motivation to change things for yourself. And the example that she gives in the book, which I thought was a really good example, is if you have a car right now that's just really run down, really beat up, there's you know things falling off of it, your dashboard is lit up like a Christmas tree, there's just tons of things wrong with it, and you have created a desire to have a brand new car from the fact that the car that you drive right now is terrible and broken and falling to pieces and all of this sort of stuff. She said, if you are focusing on all of the bad things about your current car and you're trying to use that to you know, kind of call in or manifest yourself a new car, it's never going to work. Because again, not to get too woo-woo here, but the whole foundational message of the law of attraction is like attracts like. So if you are constantly in a state of lack and scarcity and focusing on what's wrong and what's not working and what you can't have and what other people have that you don't have, that is what you are going to attract more of. She said that sometimes it can really be even hard to differentiate between those two things with your thoughts. And so she said if that's challenging for you to really tap into how you feel. When you are thinking about the things that you have or the things that you want and desire, like how do you feel? Do you feel excited, abundant, self-assured, confident that it's yours and that you can go out and create it? Or do you feel panicked, scarce, jealous, envious of what other people have, impatient, differentiating between those two things? And so it's really this notion of focusing on the goodness of what you have right in front of you. Because the truth is, y'all, that So many of us living in the world that we live in, in 2023, driving in our cars, folding the clothes that we have, or washing the dishes that we have to eat food off of, or drink clean water out of, having a phone to listen to this podcast on that can connect us to the internet, that can connect us to other people, that does so many amazing things for us. Like The truth is, is that so many of us have so many amazing things about our life but yet we are constantly thinking about what's wrong, what's not there, what we're lacking, what we could have more of. And all that's going to happen when your energy and focus is directed there is you are just going to create more lack 
and more of a sense of deprivation, a perceived sense of deprivation, right? For yourself. Like attracts like. And so even if, like even if you are not yet to the point where you believe that deprivation is being created from within you, even if you still want to believe that deprivation comes from what you have and what you don't have, then just use this one tip that I'm giving you here. Because if you think that you can solve for the deprivation that you're feeling by getting more or creating more for yourself, the best thing that you can do is to focus on the abundance of what you already have. When you are in an energetic state of abundance and allowance, that is what you will create more of. So even if you're not in the place of believing me that like, okay, deprivation is created in my mind by how I'm viewing what I have, and even if you still want to solve for the deprivation by going out and getting more, the best thing that you can do is to direct your attention to the richness, the beauty, and the abundance of what you already have, because that's what's going to bring more in. You are never going to bring in more for yourself by being focused on what you don't have, what's lacking, what's not there, what's scarce. It's only going to bring in more of that, which then is just going to compound, again, this perceived state of deprivation that you have created for yourself. This is why I'm a big stickler on like if you're going to do a no-spend challenge, do it the right way. If you are going to do a no-spend challenge and really kind of do a dopamine fast from spending, one of the most important things to me is to use it as a time to really focus on what you do have. Find the beauty and the richness and get use and value out of the things that you already have. Like rediscover the beauty that already exists in your world that you've kind of forgotten is there. Don't do a no-spend challenge going through the whole time focused on what you can't have, what you told yourself you wouldn't do, what other people have that you can't have. Like that's just not effective. It's not going to help you in any way, shape, form. So directing your attention to the beauty of what is and savoring and what you have will be an absolute game changer. And again, it squashes any type of deprivation that you might be feeling. The last tip I have for you, and for some of you, this just might be where you need to start. Okay. Save this one for last. Some of you need to just show yourself that the deprivation that you are digging yourself into a hole to escape is not that bad. Reminding yourself, deprivation is an emotion. It is a feeling and a vibration inside my body. It cannot harm me. Deprivation is one of those feelings that's kind of like boredom to me. And again, I'm talking about deprivation in the sense that we often experience it in in the 21st century. I'm not talking about like not having food to eat or water to drink or shelter or like our basic necessities. I'm talking about like, sorry, I'm going to tell myself no to buying, again, the 10-step skincare routine, the deprivation that would come up from that. But some of you guys just need to show yourself that the deprivation that you are working so hard to avoid is not that bad and it's not that scary. Now, Does it feel good? No, of course not. But does it feel awful, terrible? And is it this big, scary monster that you've concocted it to be in your head either? No, it's not. It's dull. It doesn't feel good. It's low grade, kind of like might feel it in your stomach. It certainly is uncomfortable, but it's also an emotion that you can deal with. 
You can process. You can allow. Remember, tell yourself, I'm feeling deprivation. I'm feeling deprived. This is what feeling deprived feels like. But I understand that I am creating this deprivation in my head from my thoughts. Focus back on why did I make this choice to say no to consuming this thing? Why did I make the choice and how will this choice honor the result that I'm trying to create? Is this an artificial desire that I have or is this something that goes with my true desire? Do I want to do pain now or do I want to do pain later? Do I want to do pleasure now? Do I want to do pleasure later? And what do I already have in my life that I can use that's just as good, that would serve the same purpose? Focusing on the beauty and abundance that already is within you and within your external world. Deprivation is not that bad, you guys. First of all, it's an inside job. It's created by you. And it's something that so many of you are fighting against and avoiding and resisting and running from. And it is not that bad. And it is certainly not worth the consequences and the ripple effects that it is creating within your life and within your finances. If this is something that you want to work on, again, start with my free training on why you impulse shop and how to stop. We actually talk about you know emotions and feeling emotions inside that training. It can certainly help you with that. After you take that training, come join us with an overcoming overspending. You're going to get private coaching with me or with one of our coaches. You're going to get access to our weekly group coaching calls. You're going to get access to all the tools that I give you to how to reframe your mindset and how to change your spending so that your spending is going to reflect your truest desires, what you want most in the future, and you can do it all without feeling deprived. Everything that you want is available to you, and deprivation does not have to come along for the ride if you don't want it to. Remember, deprivation doesn't come from anything outside of you. It's not something that just falls out of the sky and slaps you across the face, okay? It's just, it's not. It never comes from what you have or what you don't have, how much you have and what you don't have, what someone else has and what you don't have. It doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from within you. And I hope this episode has given you the mindset shifts, the tools, and the coaching to help you with that moving forward. I love you guys. I really, really hope this one helped you. And I will see you next Tuesday. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.